Welcome to the Carnivore Cast, a podcast focused on the carnivore diet and lifestyle, with practical advice from successful carnivores, citizen scientists, and top researchers. I'm your host, Scott Meslinski, and I'm here to speak with experts and experienced carnivores to get answers to your biggest and meatiest questions while helping you live your best life as a carnivore. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting the Carnivore Cast on Patreon. By becoming a patron, you'll help us reach more people and continue to create content on Carnivore. There are also exclusive perks available, such as private Q&As, consultations with me, and more. Become a supporter at patreon.com slash carnivorecast. Check the episode description for the link. Thank you, and I'll see you there. Nikki Crendle is a dietetic student in Australia. Her Instagram handle is at bio.chem.carnivore. And Nikki is studying at the University of Newcastle in New South Wales. She's been using a carnivore diet to help heal her autoimmune disease, is constantly studying all the latest research related to nutrition, metabolism, exercise physiology, and she's posting about it on her awesome Instagram page as a self-described bioenergetics nerd. Uh, she's an expert in helping athletes transition onto low-carb diets, choose correct protein amounts, and fix autoimmune issues, including leaky gut. Nikki loves lifting weights, taking cold baths, and sharing her knowledge online. Welcome to the show, Nikki. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be on. Yeah. Um, and I was just commenting before we got started, I feel like you're always posting and, and talking about all different kinds of research relating to diet and exercise. So I think I can learn a lot from you. Yeah, research is, um, I, I think I, I love posting about research because it does give you um, something more than just anecdotal, um, you know, evidence. But having said that, I think as well, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in, you know, there, there can be research out there, but I think research can also be a little bit biased and a little bit um, tricky to navigate too. So I think yeah. um, hearing people's, this is why this sort of thing is great, um, you know, podcasts and things like that, because you can hear people's success stories and um, you're not just looking at a number of people. Um, you can see the ins and outs of their journey. And and the more people that we hear that um, have success, the more we can get the message out there. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, very well said. And I, I think a lot of another problem, I'd love to hear your take on this. A lot of people in our space have, or kind of like casual uh, research observers, I'll tell them, I'll say, is like yeah. just focusing on one study and not understanding yeah. that every study is a part of a body of research. So like you shouldn't change what you're doing or it doesn't even yeah. change the scientific answer if just one yeah. study says something. And you you do a great job of like dissecting studies, but also posting like meta-analyses and some of the underlying concepts, which I think is really great. Well, um, I when I post a study, it's always um, one that I have um, listened to something amazing about, either it's yeah. in class or it's somebody that I respect. Uh, and they've talked about it, and then I've gone and um, and and checked out the study that they've you know um, highlighted. Um, you know, I think with studies it's tricky because you can kind of take what you want to take from it. You know, if you want to see that it's that a low carb is bad, then you'll find a study that mm. says low carb is bad. I think it's 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 up for interpretation um, a lot of the time. But um, having said that, I think. Um, I, I like to say that it's always, for me, I, I like to come from a, um, 
a, a way of thinking that is always as unbiased as possible. Um, I like to, I mean, we all have our own bias about what we think is good and what we think is bad, but sure. um, I, I, I hope that I never um, avoid posting things that are also like, I, I, I like to post about things sometimes that are high carb as well. Um, I can't find many that um, are, are really for that, but I, I don't want to be too biased about about things. What I will say about studies that's um, interesting is that it can be very hard to navigate because I mean I'm I'm only in year two. I'm not I'm not at the end of my course, but you know we're only just really delving into it now. We're only starting to delve into it, and I, it's completely confusing. And I think even people that come out of a medical degree they still have trouble dissecting studies. So it's one of those topics that's a, a tricky one, but I think they can um, they can provide some good info too. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really well said um, and, and shows that you really have <clears throat> a great scientific background to be able to understand that nuance. Um, Nikki, talk about your, your own journey. Like what got you, uh, like what is your history with autoimmune issues? How did you get um, sick in the first place? Yeah, so I um, I've always been super super passionate and interested in um, in health. Um, I I had a, a bit of a um, a journey with weight loss when I was twelve. I, I was a really heavy kid and um, I was really quite fat, and I, I had a lot of trouble with it, probably hormonally. I don't know, but um, I also you know didn't eat the best diet. And then when I was about twelve, I decided that I'd had enough of the teasing. So I decided I'd take it into my own hands and I lost a lot of weight and I was successful doing, doing, um, just the whole not eating thing as a 12 year old does and, um, and found success with it, but then went too far and, and I lost too much weight and, you know, freaked out my, my family. I'm sorry I, that I did that guys. Um, and then, you know, and then I, I found a happy balance and, um, and, and found the spot that I, that I was healthiest at. But then as I, as I got older, um, you know, I, I had this passion for nutrition, but, and I, and I came out of high school and went straight into a, a nutrition degree. Um, but I, I felt like I was sort of looking for ways to fix what was going on in my own body. Um, I'd look at my friends and, and my family members and think, why is it that they don't have this autoimmune condition? Or why, why is it that they don't get asthma like I do? And so I was kind of on this, um, you know, I, I was trying to figure out how to mend my own problems. And I, you know, as I said, I had asthma, I had hay fever. I had skin problems. Uh, I always had problems with my gut health. I felt like if I went out to dinner, it was always a little bit stressful because something would always set me off. Um, and so I, um, you know, got to my early 30s and I had my first little one and things were just kind of coming to a head and uh, my asthma and hay fever particularly were getting a lot worse. It was just kind of like year by year, each, each time I, I hit those seasons, it was just unbearable. Um, and, and my gut as well was, was becoming a real issue. Um, by that point I was getting pretty into the gym and, um, you know, I was there, you know, five, six days a week training really hard and also finding that I wasn't getting much progress there, um, with my physique and also just with my, my lifting. And so one day I was just like, I'm just going to, I see what if I go to a naturopath and just get them to do all the blood work and just see what comes up. And they found all this inflammation and she had this idea that maybe it was something that I was eating. So tested me for the IgG um, antibodies, all this sort of thing. And, and it came back with this, you know, super long list of things that she wanted me to avoid, um, you know, different nuts and seeds and different vegetables, grains, dairy, all this sort of, you know, the usual and um, because I then fell pregnant with my second baby, I 
you know, was like, well, I can't get rid of grains and I can't get rid of this amount of vegetables and I can't not eat nuts and seeds because I'll waste away. So I basically just committed to getting rid of the dairy and um, saw improvements completely overnight. I, I just felt suddenly so much better and I started shifting weight that I hadn't shifted for many, many years. And um, and then, so long story short, once I'd had my second baby, I, um, and, and, you know, I didn't have to worry about her so much anymore. Um, I sort of started thinking, well, let's see what else um, fixes things while, while, as I eliminate. She, she had this list, as I said. So I thought I'll just start working my way through the list and see what happens. Um, and then I started reading into, you know, paleo and then very quickly found keto. And, um, it just completely made sense to me. The whole theory of removing grains and and things like that just made complete sense. Mm. Um, and so, and, and as I said, it, it kind of felt like each thing that I eliminated it, instead of, uh, feeling like I, you know, I was being deprived. I just felt like I was getting this vitality back and my brain was working better. And despite being you know, underslept with a, <laughs> like a six month old. And, um, I, I just felt like I was getting better and better and I was seeing more progress in the gym and my body was changing. My body composition was changing. And, and then I came across, um, ketogenic girl and she mentioned this carnivore diet that she was doing. And I thought that sounds completely nuts and I'll never do that. Um, and then within about a day or two, I was convinced that it was something that I must try. So I'm one of those people that, I can't really do things half-assed. I have mm. to do it the, the full way. So anyway, so I jumped into the carnivore diet and once again it was like there were I had healed a lot of my autoimmune problems. My gut was feeling better and my skin was looking better and I'd shifted a lot of weight. But it wasn't actually until I, um, you know, completely eliminated plants for that period that my hay fever and asthma just completely went away. Um, and then my mental clarity started to get better and better as well. I wasn't finding my anxiety being an issue anymore. Um, I felt like I was really level-headed every day with my kids. And this was right around when COVID hit pretty badly in Australia as well. So we were in full lockdown. And I remember thinking to myself, I just feel like I'm able to handle this crazy situation and having a you know, four-year-old and a a two-year-old at home every day and not being able to do what I usually do. And I was handling it better than I thought I would ever have been able to. I I was coming through a divorce as well. And I thought, this is weird. Something's going on with my brain chemistry. Yeah. And yeah. So, so ever since then, I just feel like I, I have added some things back in, but I, I just feel best when I'm eating only meat. <laughs> so yeah, it's my story. Yeah. That's super interesting. And, um, Props to you for for being so resilient. That's amazing. Um, I can't imagine going through all of that well, going through having your first child, managing your first child, divorce. That sounds like a lot of outside life stress. It was. Um, and I do, I mean, I can't really compare, but I, I do wonder how I would have gone through it all um, living the way I used to. I mean, I felt like mm. every day, like missing a workout or, um, you know, my, my little kid, falling over or something back in the day with how I used to live my life. Um, you know, I, I just didn't handle it very well. I was really mm. up and place. And there is another one that's really intriguing me lately as well that I can't kind of, uh, my head around, but 
I almost feel like my personality has changed in a good way. I, I feel like I'm much more confident these days. I There's probably a lot of things going on there and, and maybe not just diet, but I do think it makes sense that possibly my anxiety was um, getting on top of me all throughout my life and then discovering myself as an adult now um, in a in a headspace that is not anxious all the time is is a very interesting thing to see. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I'm very excited to be partnering with Bioptimizers to bring you guys an awesome new product. Capex helps you digest fat, which we all know is so important on a carnivore or meat-based diet. There are many well-researched benefits to having good fat in your diet. I think it's an essential part of carnivore to make sure you're getting enough fat, not just jamming down protein. But the problem is with too much fat and without proper digestive enzymes and key nutrients, the fat just sits in your stomach and creates a traffic jam. For me, this made me bloated, made me up all night with indigestion. You can feel sluggish, low energy. Undigested fats pass through your GI tract so you can get greasy, fatty stools, constipation, fatty liver, etc. But Bioptimizers has created an awesome new digestive product called Capex, which is specifically great for carnivore. It helps in a few key ways. One is it can help rev up your cellular metabolism and boosting your energy and your capacity to burn fat as fuel. It also helps your body build new cells on a carnivore diet. And lastly, it can give you really strong focused energy. So I don't recommend taking it past 5 p.m. or so because it can just wake you up without any stimulants, which is pretty awesome. So I highly suggest you check it out. I had a great podcast with one of the founders and CEO of Bioptimizers, Matt Gallant, if you want to check it out. You can go to kenergize.com slash carnivorecast to get a discount. That's K-E-N-E-R-G-I-Z-E.com forward slash carnivorecast, one word. And you'll automatically get 10% off any package of KPEX with coupon code carnivorecast10. It's all one word at checkout. That's kenergize slash carnivorecast. And hope you guys enjoy. I think people talk about stress and resiliency and mood surrounding carnivore ketogenic diets. Um, but it's interesting, like your example and how it also made you feel more flexible and more just James Bond, like, I guess, <laughs> without being a sociopath yeah. <laughs> almost. Um, cool. And what, um, what started your, your journey into becoming a student? Well, I, um, as I said, I came out of high school and I went straight into a nutrition degree and um, I really enjoyed it. But then I met uh, my ex-husband now and, uh, and we went over to France and lived there for a while. And, um, and then I, you know, I did a couple of different things over the years thinking that maybe I should um, pursue. Uh, so I did, I became a disability carer for a while and enjoyed that. But you know, it was very physical and very hard. And then since once I had my, my kids, I was like, oh, you know, especially once I started learning so much about healing the body and, and finding success with it, um, I, I just felt like my passion just kept increasing. And, and then so once I, once I um, had had my first kid, I, I started thinking about the idea of going back and studying. And I remember thinking, what do I do? Do I go back to nutrition or do I go to dietetics? And the, the tricky thing is that I think nutrition appealed to me because it was much, it's much more um, open-minded to, I guess, a holistic view of health. Having said that, um, I, I 
I think these days um, there are so many options for nutrition courses that it almost takes away from the accreditation a little bit. Um, it makes you sort of, it, I think it becomes difficult to set yourself aside from every other nutritionist that's that's out there, if that makes sense. So I thought, you know what, bugger it, I'm going to go back and do, um, and do dietetics because I feel like that might give me a little bit more um, strength in the community to be able to sort of get a message across because by then... Um, I knew that I had had success with keto and I thought this is something that I, I really want to change in the dietetics community because it's still very, very, I, I'm assuming it's like that over there as well, but in Australia, it's still very dogmatic, um, very biased. Um, and the so I, I went into the course knowing that that would be tricky. And so at this point, I'm kind of just trying to get through telling them what they want to hear with the hope that I can come out of it and practice in a certain way that is hopefully allowed um, without, you know, um, being without getting in trouble. But it is very interesting because the the, the further I go into it, the more I hear people. Um, I mean, I will say there's not many people that in Australia that practice low carb as a dietitian. There are a select few, but there seems to be a way to get around it. Like, for example, you can't call yourself a ketogenic dietitian, you would call yourself a low carb dietitian and that seems to be acceptable. Um, so I think there's ways around it. And I think I'm going to have to probably um, set myself up with a network of people that are doctors and um, that agree with me and that are on the same page. And there seems to be a select view in Australia. So that's what I'm shooting for. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Um, have you been in contact with any of the like Australian low carb doctors? I have, I have. Um, I there's a there's a clinic in Sydney. I, I'm in Newcastle, so that's about two hours away. But there's a clinic in Newcastle, uh, sorry, in Sydney that um, that are called the Sydney Low Carb Specialists, and they are specialists in in this particular realm. They're, they're amazing. They you know they they'll spend more like an hour with their clients, and um, and they it's run by a couple of doctors. Um, and, uh, and then they, they also have dietitians working with them. Um, so it's, it's very specialized. Um, I'm also aware of, um, other people like, uh, Dr. Pran Yuganathan. I'm sorry if I'm mis mispronouncing his name, but there are a select few in, in Australia. Um, and we, uh, we connect a little bit over social media and, and that's why I think this, this space is, is amazing because it does connect you with people that you possibly wouldn't have connected with. So, um, hopefully I can be influenced and, and helped along the way with people like, like them, because I, I, I think that they know their stuff. They're very, um, they know their stuff in this space. So, yeah. Yeah, that's great. And, um, what uh what are some of the areas of research or studies that you like diving into the most? For me, the training side of it is particularly fascinating because I think with and, and I'm talking about keto as well, um, but I, I just think there there are a number of studies um around ketogenic athletes. Um, you know, and, and let's face it, I think a lot of people can consider themselves athletes these days. People that like myself that Train. I mean, we're not. We're not actually. Um, you know, we might be either training for a competition or we're just training because we love it, and we might train most days of the week. You know, so I think 
it's interesting seeing um, data behind that because, you know, if you're doing a a diet like a carnivore diet or a low carb diet and you're training heavily, you're training heavy or or you're training with a, a lot of intensity, it is interesting seeing why, how and why the human body can um, do that, I guess, because we've all known for a long time that, oh, well, you know, in order to train to that intensity um, or to that level, you, you know, you must have carbohydrates and you must be eating uh, all around your workout carbohydrates so you can always stock up that glucose and uh, the glycogen. Um, so for me, that's, that's an area that particularly fascinates me. And I think, unfortunately, the problem is, is that the studies that are out there regarding training intensity and, and, and low carb are not done well. You know, they're either not done long enough um, for people to fat adapt. Um, you know, that, I mean, I've seen studies that um, a lot of people reference to to say that, you know, keto cannot work for athletes. And they're like a week, a week or so, you know, and, and that is just not long enough for somebody to fat adapt. Um, I, I also think as well, a lot of these studies are not done correctly with electrolytes. And it's amazing how when you're on a, especially when you're on a low carb diet, how electrolytes can be, you know, can take you from one level to the next. It's, I think there's a big, um, a big problem there with people and and electrolytes not getting them right. So, um, yeah, I think this is, this is the realm of research that uh, fascinates me the most and, and protein intakes and, uh, everything to do with the gym and, and maximizing your success in that realm really fascinates me particularly. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I mean, the electrolyte thing has been absolutely massive and crucial for me and so many yep. people I've worked with. Um, and yep. yeah, I think it's interesting. You post a lot about your training um, in different training modalities and training studies, Brad Schoenfeld and things like this. Um, so I, I guess what makes you um, interested in that? And is it, does it go beyond just like how you should train or how, how low carb affects training? And you're just interested in training and physiology in general. I am passionate about everything physiology. And I think the muscle really fascinates me because it's just such a, well, I mean, um, when I say that I'm a bioenergetics nerd, that's exactly what I am. I love everything about how the body utilizes fuel and seeing how, I think because, because I can see that the body doesn't, um, the body is such a plastic um, how else do I describe that? It's a plastic machine. You know, the fact that you can, you can be completely using only one fuel and then you can teach your body how to create more of certain cells in order to completely use only another fuel that really, really fascinates me. And so, um, I love the fact that with the, the muscle, seeing how it utilizes different fuels and seeing how it adapts to stresses. And I, I just find everything about how the body can adapt and be plastic really, really fascinates me. And um, I was <laughs> um, really jumping into the rabbit hole recently about, this isn't part of my course, this is just me <laughs> researching my on in my own time about how the body, even just the um, how the, the muscles um, work, where the cells are, how the cells work and how they take stem cells in order to create their own new baby cells and, and how they are linked to, um, you know, the, the neuromuscular junctions. And that, that whole side of it really fascinates me. And I, for about five days in a row, I've been watching this video on how, how the whole um, actin myosin you know, sliding filament theory works and trying to get my head around how the ATP is required and where it goes. And 
that whole side of it really, really fascinates me. So um, that's where my head is mainly at the moment. <laughs> I'm in the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, interesting. And what in what do you wish you could see more research on, um, or, or what like if you had your way, um, what would what kind of studies would you create? I would definitely um, I would definitely like to see more studies on um, low carb training and done correctly. Um, because the, the the few that have been done, um, you know, they, they have shown some amazing results. You know, once these people are fat adapted for several months, um, the, the amount of um, the capacity to be burning fat and utilising your, your body fat I think is fascinating for all different training modalities. You know, I, I like to see what they can do with, I mean, I, I want to see a little bit more on um, low carb and um you know, heavy base lifting because I think there there are quite a few on um, endurance athletes, but I want to see more on like um, powerlifting. You know, one rep max. I want to see what people can do if they're on a low carb diet and and can they get the same one rep intensity that they would be able to on a high carb diet? That would be fascinating for me. Um, I think we we know in the space that it seems to work well enough for high pitch hypertrophy training, but I want to see more on that as well. I want to see whether or not, um, if I could get my, if I could be part of a research project, I'd love to see what you can do with muscle hypertrophy and low carb. Can you still build as much muscle if you're not stimulating insulin to the same extent? That's what I want to see. Yeah. I'd love to see that as well. Um, and how about on the, the mental health side, because I know carnivore affected you, mentally and, and emotionally in, in some interesting ways. Have you dug it all into the research there or is that something um, you want to learn more about? I, there's two topics that I really want to learn more about. Um, one of them is, um, you know, Alzheimer's and dementia. I, I find that topic particularly fascinating and how it is so heavily related to, uh, you know, insulin resistance problems. And um, my grandfather, um, passed away from Alzheimer's. And so that, that's a, of particular interest to me, um, not only to understand why that happened, um, but also to avoid it in my own parents and to avoid it, of course, in myself and my kids. And so, cause it's just such a frightening condition. I mean, to think that you could forget who you are and who you love is, is frightening. Yeah. Um, scary. It, it, yeah. It's particularly, um, uh, frightening. Um, I would love to learn more about the whole anxiety and how it's related to food because, I mean, I, I, I've read a few different studies um, and I'm quoting um, Dr. Paul Mason on this. If, if anybody's interested in this topic, I would recommend seeing a couple of his um, videos on it. He's very, very educated um, with regard to, you know, how um, if you're deficient in certain vitamins and minerals, like, for example, iron, um, how that can completely change the way that you're able to um, deal with food addiction, and you know, because iron, for example, you know, is a, is a is a precursor to a lot of the neurotransmitters, and so it makes sense to me that if you're deficient in in those precursors, you can't make enough neurotransmitters, and then for, and then you might experience things like binge eating disorders, and um, so so those topics really fascinate and really fascinate me. And, and for myself, I mean, I, I've always found myself, um, especially in the gym space as well, you know, being very, very keen on the idea of, you know, doing cheat days and, and then them turning into complete binge eating, you know, um, cycles and, and to, 
to completely come out of that and and to feel completely satisfied by the meals that I eat and not to feel like I have to you know run around looking for things in the kitchen and and so I think that's a, of particular interest to me as well yeah fascinating I, I I always say I find the mental aspects the mental effects of carnivore and low-carb diets um, completely baffling <laughs> like the physical transformations um, the effects on things like PCOS and arthritis are of course incredible um, but the mental side just mystifies me and continues to amaze me. Well, I don't know if you're finding this as well for yourself, um, but I feel like, I mean, I've, I've been pretty much eating pretty strict kind of, a, as I said, I've added a couple of things in here and there. I might have some avocado or whatever, but I'm pretty strict with it. As I said, I feel the best mentally and physically when I'm just basically eating meat and organs. Um, but I don't know about you. I, I feel like as time goes on, I keep surprising. It keeps surprising me what else seems to change and mm. and how clarity just keeps getting better and better and better. And I sometimes will find myself thinking, "Oh, that's funny. That's something else I haven't really experienced lately." I mean, it's only recently, in the last probably three or four months, that I've completely stopped taking the magnesium um, that I was taking for anxiety. I don't take that anymore. So it's and that's almost two and a half years down the track. So it's amazing how, as time goes on, wow. it's it's exciting to see how much better the human body can continue to be. Did you find that as well? Like it's just getting better and better? Yeah, I did find that. Um, I, I don't follow a strict carnivore diet anymore, but I did very strictly for three years and I definitely found the benefits continue to enhance over that time period. Yeah, very interesting. Um, great. Well. Nikki, what, um, what are some of your goals for, uh, your Instagram page? Where can people find you, follow you, possibly work with you? Yeah. Well, so, um, at the moment I'm really just on Instagram. I'm a little bit of a, um, tech tart. Um, I sort of would love to have, um, more, uh, ways of connecting with people, but I just honestly can't get my head around it <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> I'm so bad. Um, but having said that, I, um, the future for me, I would love to um, travel a little bit with my work and meet some of these people because I feel like, as I said, there's there's a little bit in Australia, but I think most of um, what I hear seems to be coming from the US. So I'd love to travel a little bit more with that and, and meet some people and, um, you know, do talks and, and things like that. Um, I would love to do some coaching as well. Um, currently, I'm right in the middle of doing a coaching program on, alongside what I'm learning at uni, um, mainly just because I feel like <laughs> I'm not going to get the information that I want on keto and low carb and carnivore, of course, by doing the course that I'm doing. I mean, we're learning the biochemistry of it, but as soon as you have any questions to do with, you know, anything to do with that, you basically just get shut down so far. Mm. So uh, I'm doing a, a course um, on the side for that. And so when I finish that, ideally I'd love to be able to take on some clients and and um, work with people one-on-one. So that would be my goal in the future. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think uh, you'd make an awesome coach and be able to help a lot of people um, with thank your you. knowledge and, and experience as well. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, Nikki. It's been an absolute pleasure to meet you, hear your story. Um, and I'm sure folks will really enjoy this. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's good fun. Absolutely. Have a great day. You too. Bye. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting the Carnivore Cast on Patreon. 
By becoming a patron, you'll help us reach more people and continue to create content on Carnivore. There are also exclusive perks available, such as private Q&As, consultations with me, and more. Become a supporter at patreon.com slash carnivorecast. Check the episode description for the link. Thank you, and I'll see you there. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Carnivore Cast. If you enjoyed this episode, please review on iTunes. It really helps us out. And share it with a friend. What questions would you like answered? Or who would you like to hear from in the carnivore research community? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CarnivoreCast or go to CarnivoreCast.com. You can also email me at info at CarnivoreCast.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep it carnivore.